Welcome to My Teacher Friends Podcast. My name is John Peschel. Thank you so much for downloading today's episode. Today, I sat down with my friend Rachel, who is a middle school choir teacher. Rachel is positive and energetic. She loves podcasts and was so excited to be on the show today. We talked about the importance of being authentic in front of students, and she shared a project she uses in the beginning of the school year to help her and her students build community. It's an all-about-me project, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode featuring my friend, Rachel. All right. Well, welcome, Rachel, to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for having me. So um, let's start the conversation. I'd love to hear just a little bit about um, what has brought you to where you are now at your current position as a middle school choir teacher. So can you take us back to um, your education and your history um, as a teacher? Yeah. So I grew up in Ripon, Wisconsin, which is an is in the Fox Valley by Oshkosh Appleton area. Okay. I lived there all my life. And then when I was getting ready to go to college, I got accepted to UW-Eau Claire. So I went there to study music education, choral, and general music. Why Eau Claire? Why did you choose to go to Eau Claire? I toured a bunch of different schools in the state, and I wasn't really in love with any of them. Like, people always told me, you're going to know. Like, you're going to be at the place you want to be and you're just going to know that's where you want to be and I honestly didn't feel that anywhere I toured I'm the same way I I didn't I like people kept saying oh you'll just know when you make it to the right school just like you said and I never really felt that Mm -hmm. I mean I I went to UW Whitewater I I loved it there but I I didn't get that instant feeling when I toured the campus yeah yeah and I toured the music department I met a couple professors and some of the students, and they took a lot of time to talk with me when I was touring, which was awesome. I had to audition for the music department. Really? Yeah, so that's part of the application process. You have to get accepted into the university, and then once you're accepted there, then you have to get accepted into the music program. And not as a performance major, but as an education major? Correct. I didn't know that. Yes. Okay. So I got accepted into the school and then had my audition in January, got accepted into the music program, and I just felt like that's where I wanted to go. I knew they had a good music education program, um, and I just I went because I felt like maybe this is the place I'm supposed to be. Um, And then it ended up being my home away from home. And like even today, I love going back and visiting professors and friends and um, just... So so it did work out. Yes. It worked out. I mean, it was the right place. I can't imagine having gone anywhere else. Right. And I tell people like, you have to go to Eau Claire. It's the best place, (laughs) especially for music. You were waving the flag for Eau Claire. Now I feel like, okay, yeah, this is the best. Um, So after I student taught in Eau Claire at a middle school... I was planning to stay in the area because I finished student teaching in January. So I was going to stay in the area, sub around the district and surrounding districts. And then I was thinking about moving to the Twin Cities just because it was, I thought maybe it was a good time for a change. Mm-hmm. I liked the area. Um, until I got a call that February. And I honestly had not taken any sub positions 
between when I was done student teaching and February, mm-hmm. it was a weird like transitional period of my life. Mm-hmm. Some things were happening personally that were really hard. Mm-hmm. And I just was like in this rut. And it was like 7 a.m. one morning and I got a call from my high school, Ripton High School. And they said, we need a teacher now, a choir teacher now. So I went and I interviewed with my old, one of my old teachers and the principal at the time. And I, I did not replace my choir teacher. I okay. replaced somebody else. Okay. Um, and they said, can you start next week? And I was like, sure. So wow. I packed up all my stuff and I moved home uh, to Ripon in at the end of February and it was really cool the way they transitioned me into the position because my old elementary school teacher who had been retired she took over for like the first two weeks and then she kind of mentored me for two weeks while I was transitioning into ribbon and we went through solo and ensemble together and then she left so it was just me So it was really cool because she was the one who kind of got me into choir to begin with. Um, In fifth grade, we had to sign up for choir or general music for sixth grade. And I signed up for general and she was like, Rachel, you need to be in choir. Like, just try it. So I did. And it was actually in sixth grade with my choir teacher that I decided I wanted to be a choir teacher. So it's been a long time coming, and I got to work with all of these people who had inspired me to be an educator. So I was there at Ripon. That's amazing. That is absolutely just crazy how through connections, things like that can can turn out. Like totally full circle. Yeah. And I was hired as a long-term sub, and then in May, they offered me the full-time position for the following year, and I accepted and they, the school was going through renovations, so I got a brand new classroom in my first year of teaching, which was so cool. Um, in that semester I was teaching, I taught in the nurse's office, I taught on the stage, oh I gosh. taught in the cafeteria. Sure. So it was nice to like have my own space <laughs> my first year of teaching. Right. Um, and I stayed at Ripon for that year. I grew the program from like 35 kids to 75, which was really rewarding for me. Um, did my first musical. We did The Sound of Music. Okay. Went through solo and ensemble. So a lot of really big events. Took uh, the band and choir students to China on a tour, which was incredible, um, with much help from my colleague band teacher. And um, at the end of that school year, they told me, because the district is getting smaller, that I'd be teaching 612 choir the following year. And I did not want to do that. So I started looking elsewhere and ended up landing the position I am in now with middle school students. So I was going from teaching high school choir to now teaching uh, middle school general music and choir. And this year I had to dabble in fifth grade as well, (laughs) which was a journey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm finding my niche and I, I definitely like middle school. I think there's pros and cons to every age group. Um, and I've learned a lot throughout the journey so far. Yeah, I want to I go back and talk a little bit about teaching in the hometown where you grew up. Because that's something that you and I have in common. Um, and um, uh, what was that like for you? 
it was good because I had a good reputation in the town. Right. I, I lived there my entire life. My family was a big part of the community. I was an only child, so when people heard my name, it was just me. It wasn't so-and-so's younger sister or older sister. Um, I, I think I was a good student. Um, I was involved in a lot. Um, I, I think I was a well-liked person in the community. Mm -hmm. So I was welcomed with open arms. I had a lot of support from the other teachers because a lot of them were my teachers. Right. And they were willing to take you under their wing? Yeah. Is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was really special. And teaching with those people that inspired me when I was younger was really, really great. Right. And so then you made the change to uh, a five, six, seven building and teaching general music to fifth graders. So yes. I want you to take, <laughs> take me back to that first month of school. Right. This is a new. This is new for you. You went from from high school choir to general music fifth grade in a different community. Um, what do you remember back to those first couple weeks, that first month of that? I think I blacked out. No. <laughs> um, I I always was the person who would say, "I'll teach anything. You know, whatever job I land, elementary, middle, or high school, I'll do it." And now I definitely think I'm more middle or high school. Like, I've, I've figured out that that's what I want to do. I didn't have a normal music classroom for my fifth graders, so that was definitely a challenge. And I think if I had more materials, it, it could have been different. Mm -hmm. And the reason that was because uh, the fifth graders being in our building is temporary because of new schools being built. Um, so I was kind of in a makeshift room with what I could do for a year. Um, I reached out to a lot of other elementary teachers in the district, outside of the district, um, and really just like hung on to what they were telling me, what had worked for them, um, different lesson plans that had worked for them. I did a lot of Pinterest searching music for elementary students, but it was a huge learning curve for me and how to teach these younger students through music um, that differed so much from what I was used to. So I think this year, just in general, I learned so much more as a person and as a teacher. And I'm really thankful for that because had I not taken this position, I would not have grown the way I did this year. Yeah. What do you think they taught you? What do you think those fifth graders taught you about yourself, about teaching, about kids, about music? They taught me resilience and that I can do it. Like, even if I think I have no idea what I'm doing, I got through the year. Um, they, they have a lot of love to give. And they taught me that I have to be willing to trust them just like I want them to trust me like without that piece not much is going to get done so building those relationships with the fifth graders but not as if I'm their babysitter I think I walked into that thinking okay these are younger humans and I need to treat them like I am the leader and they are the followers as opposed to like high school or upper middle school where it's like we're all in this together you need to have that same mentality for the younger grades too. 
because that's how you're going to work best together. Um, th there are some differences, obviously, but if you open up to them like you would to a high school choir in the sense of um, like sharing a fun part about your day or something you did over the weekend, that shows them that you're a person too and they can relate to you in, in some way. Yeah, I think the more authentic we can be with our students at all ages, the stronger that relationship and the trust will come along when we're really just figuring out how to be authentic in front of them and yeah. working with them. They'll see right through you mm -hmm. if you're putting on a show. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, what was your favorite memory or moment of fifth grade this year? The winter program we put on. So tell Which, me about it. Basically, I think it's because I am performance-based with choir. Like that, Those are, if you will, assessments in a lot of ways is the performances or whatever's coming up next. Um, and it was something that we, we had to do it at the beginning of the school year. It was a winter program, and I only saw the kids twice a week for 30 minutes. And by the time they're in and out, you know, you really have like... 15, 10, 15 right. minutes. Right. It goes fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we had a lot of work to do in not a lot of time. And I think that helped with building relationships right away um, and getting to work right away. Um, and then watching them perform and put together all the, all the hard work they had put in in the classroom was really rewarding for not for me necessarily, but for them. And then for the rest of the school year, we were able to like grow with that momentum. I was also told that it was the best, um, like the most students ever had attended a fifth grade program. It was the best well attended, right. which was really cool. And what do you think that means? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would hope a little part of it was me. I don't know. Um, or the kids really enjoyed the music we did, we did my shot from Hamilton. Okay, with that was a you thing. <laughs> That's Thank awesome. Thank you for uh, recommending yeah. that. Yeah, um, and I think that was really well received, and just having fun with their friends in a different way for the first time. I don't know, mm -hmm. but it was cool. And next year you will not be teaching fifth grade. Correct. So with the building configuration, fifth grade will be going yes. back to the elementary school. And your job next year will just be, not just, but will be with 6th right. and 7th uh, grade learners. Yes. So, um, well, awesome. Let's move to the next part of the podcast. And I know that you're a listener, so you know the next part coming is, is it going my favorite? to... It is. It's going to be the timed <laughs> test. Yes. And I know you loved time tests in school. Yes. And so we're going to put you through the ringer on this time test. Okay. All right. So you know how this works? 60 seconds. And you get as many in as you can. If you want to elaborate, you can. Or we can just go rapid fire. It's totally up to okay. you. Okay? All right. Are you ready? Ready. All right. Favorite month of the school year? March. Favorite professional resource book? Teaching with Diversity by Stephen Seek. Uh, favorite piece to perform? Oh, gosh. Ubi Caritas. Favorite middle school choir piece? May You Always Have a Song. Favorite high school 
choir piece. Lux Arumque. First name of a student that had a huge impact on you. Reagan. Um, first name of a colleague that had a positive impact on you. Sandy. School lunch. Always, sometimes, or never. Never. <laughs> Teacher's lounge. Always, sometimes, or never. Sometimes when there is food in the lounge. And staff get-togethers. Always, sometimes, or never. Always. And that is our minute. You have passed the time Yay, test. I'm so Yay. excited I got to do it. <laughs> Yay. Um, <laughs> well, let's, let's transition a little bit. I want to hear more about you um, as a teacher in front of students. And so um, what is a teaching tip or something that has really worked for you um, to get to know students maybe or that has really worked in your, as an instructional method to help students grow? Mm -hmm. I have a couple. I think one that I learned the most this year with my sixth and seventh graders is, and fifth graders, I talked about having that mentality of like um, being more of like a babysitter for younger students. And I think I felt a little bit of that with middle school students too, or I thought that that's what the job was going to be more of. But I quickly learned that when you give students responsibilities that they can feel proud of or that they can feel worthy of, you're going to have a much more successful classroom and relationship with whatever students those are. Um, so if it's behaviorally, you just need to redirect them, go have them take down the posters on your bulletin board or have the student who really wants to help because they want to be a teacher too when they grow up, have them pass out the papers or um, grade the assessments with you from a different class. Giving students responsibilities really helped me this year, not only in like my workload and what I had to do, um, but it helped me build relationships with students and make them feel like they have something that they need to do. Right. I, I think it, it brings the physical environment kind of turns into the community space. Yeah. When they're active and they're doing different things, they feel connected to the space. And they, I, I think they appreciate that you're trusting them yeah. with that. So how did that um, change your relationships with students? And, and how did it come about? How did you like get it? Like how did, yeah. how did this come to you? I was really struggling with behavior with middle school students, not necessarily always negative behavior, just different than high school behavior in what I was used to. And the, it was it was really hard. It was hard for me to transition into a younger age group. I thought it was going to be easier, mm. and it wasn't. And it was a lot of trial and error um, with a lot of things. And and giving students responsibilities came from, I think, me getting to know the students better. I did a project that a friend shared with me called All About Me in the middle of the school year, where the students would create a presentation all about them. So their family life, their hobbies, where they've traveled, what they like to do, what they're most excited for in middle school. And 
I didn't have time to do it at the beginning of the school year. One, because I was new and I was just like swimming, it felt like. And two, because I had a month before our first concert. So I ended up doing the project right before winter break. Did you give them time during class to work on this project or was it more of a home assignment? No, I gave them time during class. And it was the best thing we could have done. And it it happened in the middle of the year. So next year I'm planning to do it right away because I think our classroom environment changed drastically once the students got to know each other and once I got to know them and learn more about what makes them excited, what they're nervous for. Um, So that was one thing I did. What were some of the parameters? So when you were... I really want to dive into this because I think it's a it was a cool project. I had a chance to see a little bit of it because of our work together. I think it was a cool project, and they just kind of want to talk through it a little bit so that if others want to give it a shot, um, yeah. they can learn from from your example. So in the beginning, when when you were introducing it, how did you introduce it, and then what parameters did you put for students when they were creating this? It was actually something I did the first week of school with the students while I was voice testing students. So I took students into my office to test their vocal range because I needed to know where I was placing students within the choir. And I was thinking, okay, I need something for them to do while I'm with one-on-one with a student. What are they doing in the classroom so they're not, you know, running around doing whatever. So our school is a one-to-one building where they each get a Chromebook. Each student has a Chromebook. So I had borrowed from a, another teacher a pre-made uh, Google Slides presentation, essentially, where the students each got their own copy of it okay. on Google Classroom. How many slides was it? Maybe eight to ten. Okay. And they got to fill in each slide. So one of them was like, tell me about your family. Tell me about your favorite things, favorite places you've traveled. One thing you're excited about for middle school. Um, And then the kids could put pictures in that they had. They could edit it if they wanted. If they wanted to do a different slide, they could do that. They got to be creative with colors and backgrounds. Um, so, so we actually did it the first two days of school, but then it kind of got pushed to the back burner. It was just like in cyberspace. Did you give them about two days to do it? Two class periods? Yeah. Yeah. Because, because, um, you know, from my experience with upper elementary, I feel like that project could go on for months if you let it. So did you kind of set like a, we're done with class time? Yes. Date? Yeah, I, I would say probably two class periods total. There okay. were a couple other things I had given them to do just so that they would stay busy in the, right. that first week. Sure. Um, and then, like I said, we didn't touch it until December. And we like went back in Google Classroom and found the assignment. And some of the students realized they never finished or started. Okay. Yeah. Um, some of them were like, oh, yeah, I'm done with this, but I want to make some edits. So then I probably gave them another day or two to edit it and if they wanted to take it home they could like work more at home and then the presenting part of it was a good teaching opportunity for concert etiquette so to bring it back to my content area being music we talked about when somebody is up in front of you presenting or singing or playing what does it mean to be a good audience and that was a big lesson that my students learned and that I noticed 
from the start of the school year to the end, they grew so much as an audience. And they, I feel like they really learned how to be a good audience. We talked about, you know, being quiet when the performer is in the front of the room, raising your hand if you have a question. The appropriate time to talk is when you're clapping. Um, and so students got an opportunity to get up there by themselves and present, and then the rest of the students had the opportunity to be the audience. And that was really cool. Yeah, did you do it all like in a couple days, one right after another? Or? So we would assign one student per class period, and we would do it at the, the start of the hour. So the kids knew to come to the room, sit in a chair, and get ready for the speaker of the day. So we would do that, and then we would say, okay, who's going to go tomorrow? And it was just like whoever raised their hand first would get to go the next day. And they were really excited about it. I bet. I bet. Um, my guess is, I don't know, tell me if I'm wrong, that uh, kids were on time for class. Kids were excited to get there. Yes. Because of that that uh, experience. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, next year, you're planning to do it right, right away. away. Yes, right away. And I have more time before, before my first concert. I made Good. sure that I put that in the calendar <laughs> this year. Yeah. What a great teaching tip. Um, and I... You know, I got a chance to see it once, and it was it was a pretty powerful day that I was there. Um, the student was really vulnerable and honest, and the the rest of the class was really genuine and compassionate and sincere in that moment. Did they, you know, did, did they all get pretty deep, like the one that I observed? Or, or? I would say half and half. Okay. Some some really went in and decided to share some real pieces of them. And I think that helped a lot of the other students understand that particular student better. Right, right. Well, thank you for sharing that teaching tip. I think it's a great one. Um, and um, I'm excited to hear if others give it a shot. Yeah. Um, what else uh, would you like to kind of share? What other... Um, teaching tips or when you're just thinking about education, what are some things that are really on your mind or in your heart? I think a big thing I learned this year also, but can it is important no matter what level you're teaching at, is having students always understand the why behind what you're doing. With middle schoolers, I got that question all the time. Why are we doing this? What is the purpose of this? And at first, I may not have always had the answer, um, and may, I still may not, but, but I know that it's going to be asked. Why is going to be asked? And it should. Like, it totally should. Um, but just always know your why, and it'll make you a better teacher. I think that um, really transformed my teaching when... Um, I was settled on the why we're doing this. When I was questioning um, the practice, not really the practices, but the activities that I was doing um, to help get to a learning target, it was the why. What, what's the point of this? What is the learning target? And is this the best way to accomplish that? And it's okay for the why to be, because today I just want to do something fun. Absolutely. And that's, the why can be yeah. relationship-based. Yeah. And that it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to, it's just something different and to just have fun. Thanks for bringing in a little PBIS into oh, our yeah. conversation. <laughs> because it is okay to create a fun learning environment. Yeah. 
sometimes that can be the goal. And more kids need that. I think our students more and more today need that time to have fun, to just socialize uh, with their peers in a real time setting, not looking at a computer screen. Mm -hmm. Um, so before we, we kind of move on, I want to ask you, um, a, a bigger question and I'll give you a second to kind of think about it too. Um, but as a teacher, what do you believe in? I believe in students. That's the reason I'm doing what I'm doing. I, I guess humans is a better word because, they start as my students, but then once they're out of my classroom or out of school as a whole, they are us. And we get to teach us, which is so cool. We're, we are constantly learning and growing, and that's why I do what I do. Thank you for sharing that. So um, before we end today, I have two final questions. Uh, I know that you have listened to the podcast, so you know yes. what these questions are. Yes. Uh, maybe you've had a chance to think about it, but I'll give you a chance to respond. The first question is, what advice do you have for someone entering their first years of teaching? And what advice do you have someone entering their last years of teaching? I'm going to say the last years first because okay. I'm not quite there yet. I have a while to go until yeah. I'm there. Yeah. But um, I think if I was in your shoes as you last year people, I would tell you enjoy like every part of your last year and the journey that has brought you to your last year because you will never be in this spot again. Like, you will never have your last year ever again. I mean, you might, like, if you go sub and then you have a kind of a last year, but if you've really dedicated your life and your heart and your soul to this profession, you've put a lot in, enjoy it because you'll never have this feeling again. And for first-year teachers, because I'm closer to that range, I would say you're going to want to pour every ounce of your being and your soul into your new job because you want to do well, you want to be successful, you want to be the best, most inspiring teacher ever, which is great. That's awesome. But make sure that you do things that aren't school related or content related. Like for me, music. I remember my high school choir teacher told me, because she knew I was going into music, she said, Rachel, don't make music your life. Have other things that you can fall back on and do to keep yourself sane. And that was like the best advice I had ever gotten. Um, in these first couple of years of teaching, I've discovered my love for podcasts, um, running, doing yoga, reading a book. And although I might not always have the time to do <laughs> right, that, right. most time I don't have time to do that, um, I know that I have that outlet. So make sure that you have something that you can escape to when teaching is overwhelming because it will be and that's okay um, as long as you have an outlet. I love that uh, with teacher burnout and with the teacher shortage that we're dealing with um, I think it's really helpful to have a life um, and hobbies and activities and loves outside of your job. Yeah. 
So thank you so much for sharing that. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. It was great (laughs) to have you come in, and I really appreciate all of the wisdom that you've shared. Thank you. And that's it for another episode of My Teacher Friends. I'd love to know what you think of the podcast. Send me an email at myteacherfriendspodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like the show on Facebook at My Teacher Friends Podcast. Please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on podbean.com. Until next time, remember, be kind to kids. <laughs>